Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. A few weeks ago, uh, I spent some time on, on a message that I called Choose Wisely. And the concept behind that was that uh, God gives us this gift of free will. And that, uh, that free will, though, also has some responsibility that goes with it. And uh, I talked about how you know, Jesus has given us uh, this uh, responsibility, but he also gives us the tools in order to do that. And I had three concepts. The idea that we should always be prepared before we have to make the choice. And then I also talked about the idea that we need to look at the facts before we look at our feelings when we're making a choice, when we're walking our Christian life. And then last, as Jesus wants us to do, is never give up. Never give up. And all three of those things are important when we're dealing with this free will, this gift of free will uh, that Jesus has given us. Now today what I want to do is expand on this whole idea of God giving us this gift of freedom. And so Today I want to talk a little bit about this idea of setting us free. And the theme today for this message is free to dream. Now you're going to have to stick with me for a while because about two-thirds of the message is laying the foundation to get to the dream part of it, okay? But uh, the idea behind this is that God wants us to be set free and He sets us free from the standpoint of freedom from sin so that we can spend eternity with Him. But I believe God wants us to have more freedom in our lives today. Every day of our life. So as we get into this, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank You, Lord God, that You bring us together in unity as Pastor Sal mentioned earlier, Lord God. And as the worship team uh, also brought out, hallelujah to You, Lord God, that You are here in our midst, that we can turn to You in times like this and we can trust that You're going to use these words, Lord God. Use Your promises in, in the Scriptures. You're going to use the examples in our life, Lord God, to cement new concepts, new ideas, and allow us, Lord God, to grow in our relationship with You. So I pray today, Lord God, that You will uniquely allow the Holy Spirit to work in each and every one of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to start with this basic understanding of what it means to be free. And then hopefully, once I get this understanding, this foundation built, then I want to go into a little bit about this appreciation for this freedom that God has given us and the promises in His Word that He's given us in order to be free. And then the last, what I want to do is talk about as we get into the dream part, this now that we're set free from being captives of whatever it is that's holding us back in our lives, that He wants us to dream. He wants us to be set free so that we can dream the dreams that He has put in our hearts and lives. But you know what? One of the things that I, that it's kind of funny as a Christian now for several years, that you get into this mindset that we use Christian terms in our daily language that we assume everybody already knows, okay? So we, we go through daily life and we hear th people like myself or Pastor Sal or each other talking about things. And do you really assume, do you really believe that our av the average friend on the street, the non-believers, the people that you're talking to, that they would know what we're actually even talking about? Or would they have this glazed over look? Or they would just politely just nod their head as we're talking about whatever it may be in our Christian life. So one of the words that I want to talk about today uh, is a word that's used that way. But let me think, give you an example first. If I, if I threw out the term bite, okay, 
So those of you that are on the half of the, the side of here that says, when I say bite, first thing you think of is food, right? You, know, you, gotta, you think about, I'm going to eat something, right? But if you're on the other side of this, in this world, and you're a techie guy, what do you think of as a bite? <laughs> I, can see, I can tell the difference. Nodding the head with the food is Sal. Nodding the head with a bite is Chris. That's exactly right. See how that works? So it, depending on who, and we lose context. We assume that everyone has the same understanding and the same context of the words that we use. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time breaking down a word that we use commonly in the speak that we do as, as a Christian, the words we use, the language we use. Also, we use it in our worship songs. It's used in the Bible and such. But probably in the everyday life, a non-believer or even some of us may not have a common understanding of what the word means. And so that word that I want to talk about today is the word redeem. You, we hear the word redeem, obviously. For, we, we talk about being redeemed, okay? We talk about uh, being uh, redeemed in a song, a worship song. We talk about this word, but what does it really mean? The first thing you'd say is, is to set free. But if you were talking to a non-believer, if you were in just your everyday conversation with people, what's the most likely time that you would use redeem? I can say the first time would be, okay, you go into Starbucks, you pull out your smartphone, right? You've got the Starbucks app. What do you do? Push redeem. That's, exa that's exactly what it says on the Starbucks app, okay? What happens when you, if you're in the old school, not the, the technology aspect of today's world, old school, what did you do when you got the coupons in the, in the paper every week, right? All those paper th coupons, you cut them all out, you turn them in the store, and what do you do? You redeem them, right? All right? So then what if you use in your language something like, okay, oh, I really screwed up last week. I did something wrong. I made a mistake. There was a failure in my life. But I'm going to do something this week to do what? Redeem myself. I'm going to change. I'm going to cover what I did wrong last week by redeeming myself this week for those things. So are we all kind of getting on the, kind of, the, the idea that just because we say a word, not everyone understands the context or the meaning that we're going with. So I want to just spend a little time on this whole word redeem before I get into this freedom that we want to talk about today. So the biblical context of redeem. Let's first start look at what the Old, Text, uh, Old Testament says. Just real quickly, some brief examples. There's lots of examples in the Old Testament that talk about redeeming animals. It talks about redeeming slaves. It talks about even redeeming firstborn sons. And redemption basically meant the deliverance from bondage. Examples could have been the Israelites being delivered from Egypt and the bondage in Egypt, or that could have been them being delivered from captivity from Babylonia, those types of examples, whether it applies to a group or to an individual. But most of the time in the Old Testament, it talked about this physical deliverance with a ransom to, paid to buy the freedom of something or someone, okay? While this emphasis in the Old Testament does also have some spiritual, spiritual implications, it doesn't say a whole lot about being redeemed from sin. In fact, when I looked it up in the references and trying to do research on this thing, I only found one scripture in the Old Testament that actually specifically says it. In Psalms 130, verse 8, it says, He Himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. 
Everything else is talking about redeeming something from something by paying a price. What it's talking about is redeeming something from the results of sin, not the sin itself, okay? But now let's look on the flip side. Let's look at the New Testament. The entire New Testament is all about God's redemptive plan and Jesus being obedient to the cross, dying on the cross, forgiving our sins. The entire New Testament is talking about setting us free from sin. All right? See the difference? Well, the way we talk about it in our day and age here in our culture, if you talked about that, if you use that same term in the meaning I just talked about in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in our daily common language, most people wouldn't have a clue what we're talking about. So what I'm saying is be careful when you're talking about these things and use it in the context that we use it in order to apply to our own lives today in our own culture. But understand where it comes from in the Bible. All right. The primary intent of God's plan is for our salvation so that we can have a personal relationship with God throughout eternity. That's what it says in the, in the New Testament. That's what we mean, that He will deliver us from sin and provide us freedom from captivity. So I look forward to being, spending eternity with, uh, with Jesus in heaven just like everyone else. But I also believe that he wants us to be redeemed or delivered from those things in our current lives that hold us back from achieving our dreams. In order to expand on this amazing biblical concept that just you know, kind of stuck in my head, he wants me to have more than just looking forward to him. He wants to be able to apply it to my life right now. So you could use other descriptive words such as setting free from confinement or danger. You could say he's rescuing us. He's buying the freedom of or release from bondage or a penalty or to exchange for something of value. When you talk about those types of terms that hold us captive and that keep our freedoms from us, then we can talk about what Jesus says in the New Testament, freeing us from those things that hold us back. So my question is, and you don't have to answer this. I prefer you don't, okay? Do you feel captive due to how others have treated you? Whether it's an employer, a coworker, friend, or family member? Do you feel captive due to your financial situation? The type of home you live in or the vehicle you drive? Do you find yourself captive to your physical limitations? Do you find yourself captive to your calendar and demands on your time? Do you find yourself captive to the circumstances in your life that are outside your control? I think each one of us could relate to one of those. And I know personally I could give you an example of every one of those. But today I just want to give you one example that was have so impactful on my life. There was a time in my life as Sal mentioned, I've been retired now for a little while, but there was a time in my life when I did work. <laughs> there was a time when I had a career, and there was a time when my career defined who I was. Uh, whether I liked that or not, that's the way it was. Here's my typical day for about seven years of my life, okay? I worked 34 years, but this is just the seven-year portion that sticks out the most. I'd get up about 4.30 in the morning. I'd get up get ready, get on the road about 5.30ish or so, and I'd drive an hour commute in L.A. traffic to get to downtown L.A. to get to my office. I get there about 6.30. 
I'd spend some time organizing my day, perhaps calling some of my coworkers that run East Coast time because they're already up and been working, already been sending me requests and such. And then I'd spend six to seven hours during the day sitting in meetings. Now, who hates meetings, all right? Six to seven hours in the day doing meetings. And then in between those meetings and times, I was doing critical emails, returning phone calls, doing the things that had to be done because of they, they were time sensitive. By the end of the day, I'd say around five o'clock that I'm done. That's long enough for me. So I'd jump back in the car and I would drive an hour and a half through LA traffic to get back home. I get home about 6.30 at night and we would eat dinner and I'd go through some of the family responsibilities that I had each night, get done probably about 8.30, 9 o'clock or so, and I'd go back to my laptop and I'd do some of the over 100 emails I would get every day and work on those so that they didn't stack up. About 11 o'clock, I would go to bed and then get up at 4.30 and do the same thing over and over and over again for seven years. I calculated at one point in time that over those seven years, I spent a little over 3,000 hours sitting in L.A. traffic in my car. That's the equivalent of four months of your life, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, driving your car. Now, if that isn't being held captive to expectations of others, it's not, if that's not allowing others to demand your time, demand your calendar, I don't know what is. And I'm not proud of that, but at the same time, to acknowledge that and know that that's not what Jesus wants for our lives. That was my hang-up. That was my issue that I needed to be set free from. Each of us may have other things that we're dealing with. I hope it's not that one in Wenatchee, okay? <laughs> All right. I hope not. So it's important to understand the meaning and context when we talk about being redeemed. The New Testament refers to both deliverance from sin and freedom from captivity. Deliverance from the separation from God has been accomplished through the death and resurrection of Christ. Just like the definition in the Old Testament, redemption here requires payment of a price. But this payment is to release us from a moral bondage, not a material one. The only way we can be set free from sin is the redeeming sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, even though Christ's redemptive work is perfect and eternal, our redemption from sin will not happen until Christ returns, until salvation. So I want to show just a couple of scriptures now here. I'm going to look at them. There, I know there's a lot of them up there, but rather than you going through, you can, obviously you can look at them on your electronic device or your actual Bible, for those of you who may still have one of those in your hand or not. But I want to walk through some of these because I think these are important. This is the part where I talk about, do we really have, first I gave you kind of an understanding of what redeem means, kind of in our own world now and how that may conflict or not make sense in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I think we're all good with that. Hopefully we're all on the same common page right now with regards to the definition and meaning. Now let's talk about how, do we really appreciate that freedom that we give? The first one there, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. 
and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. We are waiting for that type of redemption. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and a great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Do you feel like redemption is drawing near when you look around what's going on in the world today? But we should be, as Christians, acknowledging that and appreciate that God has a plan and we're part of His plan. He is redeeming us. And the third one, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we what? Wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Again, He has a plan for each and every one of us. And then the last one, He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but He entered the most holy place once for all by His own blood, thus obtaining what? Eternal redemption. It's never going away. We're always going to be redeemed forever and ever and ever. You know, salvation includes both redeeming us from guilt and judgment as well as producing moral purity. In addition to being set free from sin through Christ's death and resurrection to be with Him throughout eternity, He also wants us to have a newness of life while we're still on this earth. He wants to set us free from the chains that have held us captive in our own daily lives. So let's look at a couple of scriptures that talk exactly about that. This first one, I use that term new life. It actually says that in Romans 6.4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, what? We too may live a new life. That's the redemption. That's the setting free that we get every single day. He wants us to have a new life every single day. And then the second one, Jesus who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are His very own, eager to do what is good. And then the last one, for you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed, but from what? The empty way of life. Those things that have kept us captive day in and day out. Some of the examples I gave before. But you may have your own. They could be big or they could be small, but they're still leading to an empty way of life. You know, in the busyness of our lives, it's often easier to understand and hang on to this whole redemptive promise of salvation. And obviously, it's, it's very, very important. But today, I just want us to understand that Jesus wants us to set us free daily so we can live this new life. So that we can be redeemed from wickedness. So that we can be purified. And so that we can be eager to do good works and not be captive to the empty way of life. So do we appreciate what He can and will do to set us free in everything we do? I'm going to just keep making sure you understand and appreciate what Jesus is doing. So I'm going to go through some more Scriptures here. Bear with me because Jesus' Word is truth. The next slide. So you know these. We just probably don't think about them all the time in this way. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. He has set us free. We are no longer captives. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. And free 
those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. As Christians, we have no fear of death. Death is, for us, is just a passing from one chapter in our life to another chapter. We have eternal presence with our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the next slide. When Jesus saw her, he called her for her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. So not only does it set us free from these other things that I might call incidental daily things of our lives, but this is a person, Jesus set a woman free. He set her free as she touched her gar- his, his garment. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And the Scriptures before this, if you recall, are the ones where Jesus says, what are you worrying about clothes? What are you worrying about food? I clothe the lilies of the field. I, I, I uh, give food to the sparrows. So why are you worrying about those things? Don't be captive to that worry. Don't be captive to those thoughts. The view when we are captive of anything usually looks overwhelming, if not impossible. And we're all familiar with the Scripture in Matthew 19.26. It says, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Believe that Jesus has made all things possible. Scripture says that we have Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the truth to set us free. What's more powerful than that? As we look to them for our freedom, our view of the things that hold us captive will dramatically change for the better. Recently, I heard a line in a song that said, I am redeemed, I am set free from who I used to be. That's where we all need to be is I want to be able to say, I am free from who I used to be. And Jesus allows us to do that. Jesus, His redemptive plan, the Holy Spirit, and the truth will all set us free. So all of that may seem like a long time, but just to get to me, my theme <laughs> of free to dream. Hopefully you have an understanding. Now you have an appreciation with God's Word underlying and being the foundation of why we should be set free and who we look to to be set free. Okay. I want to make sure that I, at this point, can encourage you that the Scripture provides numerous promises and examples that Jesus not only wanted us to be redeemed from an, for an eternal relationship with Him, but He wants us to live this new life daily with the understanding that we can overcome the world. We can be victorious and dream both big and small, even in the most challenging of circumstances. God wants us to live with a life of hope, joy, and being content. I'm sure some of us feel like it's been a long time since we've been able to spend time dreaming or feel what it's like to be set free by God. He wants all of us to be able to dream and pursue the purpose He has for our lives. Dreams are forward-focused. They don't dwell on the past. God wants us to keep our eyes focused on Him and the future rather than the burdens of our past. Dreams look to a brighter future and what can be done rather than the mountains that are too high to climb. He doesn't want us to be focused on the anxieties, the worries, the fear, and the shame. Once you let Christ set you free from those things that hold you captive, then your dreams come alive and they become real. Being set free by Christ allows you to spend the time, energy, 
and resources on pursuing the dreams that you have, whether they're big or small. We just read multiple scriptures that Christ wants to set us free from this empty way of life and begin a newness of life. And those dreams can give us that hope, that motivation, that strength, that discipline, and that joy. Let Christ be the center of our dreams and let it see what happens. Dreams are like prayers. They don't always happen the way we think they're going to (laughs) happen. They don't always happen in the timing But if they don't, just like prayers, we don't stop dreaming. We don't stop praying. We shouldn't stop dreaming. Christ's timing and ways are always higher than our ways. So if we trust in Him, we should know that He has our best interests in mind. We should never stop giving up. Always pursue persevere in Christ. So how often do we see young children, always look to children as examples, young children quick to share their dreams about their future when they respond to this question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. Some of them will say whatever their parents happen to do because that's what they're familiar with. But if you as a parent had a child that said something like, I want to be a teacher, I want to be a pastor, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a nurse. I want to be a doctor. I want to be an astronaut. They're not limited by those things. They're not limited by those things that hold them back. So they can dream freely. We can learn from these young children, like usual, who oftentimes don't see the same things that we see that hold us captive. So when we look at the Scriptures such as Matthew 11.25 where it says, I praise You, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because You have hidden these, these things from the wise and the learned and revealed, to them to, revealed them to the little children. We can learn from children how to pursue our dreams no matter what the circumstances in our life. Unfortunately, I believe that uh, many of us, including myself, at times have given up on our dreams due to the the circumstances surrounding us. And while those obstacles can be real or imagined, there's many examples of those that continue to pursue their dreams. If you happen to watch any of the TV uh, talent shows, now they focus on a lot of these uh, contestants that have really challenging backgrounds. They have something that they really have struggled to overcome. But they have huge audiences because people like to see individuals achieve their dreams. They want to see people overcome the challenges in their life. They want to be part of those individuals achieving their dreams. And this one opportunity on this one show may give them an opportunity to achieve a dream that they've had in their hearts for their entire lives. There's many stories of prisoners of war that held on to their dreams to overcome the horrendous conditions only to be set free years later and be reunited with their families. Do you think those people gave up on their dreams? 
They held on to those dreams. They didn't let their circumstances keep them back or hold them captive. Many single moms worked full-time while going to college for years in order to provide for their families and achieve their dream career. Special Olympics athletes are able to achieve their dreams to receive an Olympic medal despite their challenges, whether they be physical or mental. There are so many people that don't let things hold them captive. And Jesus has given us the promises. He's given us the examples. He's given us the ability to be able to be free to dream. You know, Corey often tells uh, this uh, story about a dream I had when I was, uh, we were first married. We were scuba divers. And, uh, and uh, so I always had this dream of having uh, an inflatable boat. And some of you may think of a raft, okay? That's not what we're talking about. It's a lot more expensive than that, or I would have had one a long time ago. Uh, but at the beginning of our marriage, um, I had this, this idea that I wanted this certain type of boat for certain types of things. And so I put a picture of it on my mirror in the bathroom, okay? This is early on in our career because didn't have any money back then. And life happens. I kept that picture there for over 30 years. And just before retirement, um, you know, Cora's bugging me about the picture. And I still was excited about having this boat. Practical or not, I was excited. Most people wouldn't care. I was excited. It was my dream. And you can have your own dream, and it can be small or it can be big. But here it was, 30 plus years later, I actually went out and bought the boat. It's still sitting in my garage, and we, Chris and I and others have used it for fishing and other things. And I just think back of how God blessed me through that entire journey that even though other priorities in life came up and it wouldn't have made any sense to spend money on a boat while we're raising our kids and doing these various things, but God still blessed that dream. And that dream came true in my own life. There was a, a, an executive uh, at Farmers uh, that uh, was a few years older than me. And uh, he... I actually ended up replacing him in, in a particular office in, in Portland. And uh, he, was, uh, he was an individual that really, he'd grown up through in the organization, really cared about the employees. And even though he was the executive in charge of that office of about 300, 350 people, he would daily go sit with any employee at any level of the organization at lunch or break time. And he would sit down with them and he would show them how they could become a millionaire. A lot of these people were in their 20s and 30s, usually women. It was an administrative type environment back then. This is 35 or 30 years ago or whatever. And so a lot of, a lot of these individuals had no dream even to have a million dollars. But what he did was he said, hey, look at this. Farmers offers something that's un that most companies don't have. It's a profit-sharing plan that you don't have to put any money into. Based on the success of the organization, then the company will put up to 15% of your annual salary in a tax-free investment fund for you, and they will invest it for the length of time that, you're in, that you have a career with farmers. Well, a lot of these employees that were way back then still stayed with farmers. And they, he told them that if you actually put this money in there and just left it there, now some people took it out because they had immediate needs or they had immediate wants, 
But others didn't, and they left that money there. And I can tell you today, because a lot of those people become my friends over the years, in my nearly 35 years with farmers, that a lot of those young women in their 20s and 30s back then, they do have a million dollars now. Someone took the time in order to sit down with them and establish a dream and make it real to them. So that the circumstances of life, when they didn't have it in front of them, they didn't see it in their checking account, but someone actually told them that don't worry about that. Look at this. Look at your future. Don't look at your past. Don't look at what you're doing right now. Look at what you can do. That's what the Lord wants us to do. Keep us, our eyes focused on Him and focused on the future. Set aside the things of the past and focus on the future. You know, if this works in a practical way, how much more will it work when we partner with God? How much more will we be able to not only dream, but achieve those dreams? We just need to allow Him to set us free from the circumstances of life. A couple of days ago, uh, Corey showed me and read to me a, a Facebook story from a daughter of a strong Christian family uh, that we knew in our small Texas church uh, over 25 years ago. And uh, she was eight years old when we left uh, Texas, and she's now 30, so that's been a few years ago. Uh, but she's just a, pers- a, a little girl that played with our daughter and uh, from a small town and She's writing this Facebook story, and we know a little bit about her background, obviously, stayed in contact with her family over the years. And when she was young, her mother and father were trying to start a plumbing business, and they struggled. Corey and I would go help them. They moved about five or six times in a four-year period, just trying to rent homes that they could afford and such during that time. Also, this girl... Unfortunately, her older sister, at age 11, was killed in a horse accident on their farm. Later on, her brother, brother's wife, and two young children were killed in a car accident. So she's had her struggles along the way in this life. But as she reads this, in the midst of those struggles, here's what she writes. Sometimes I have to take a step back to gain perspective on where this life has taken me. She's sitting on a penthouse. You can imagine this. Sitting in a penthouse suite in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia looking out over the skyline. She says, I have to take a step back to gain perspective on where this life has taken me. Looking at the skyline of the city, wondering how volleyball, she was a collegiate volleyball player, had a dream to become a professional volleyball player. She's wondering how Volleyball brought me to this place. I'm from a small town in Texas of 2,000 people. This doesn't happen. I see the little girl I once was, 
who ignited her dreams and is still chasing after them and feeling those big dreams have just begun. Words from a young woman that's been through tough times, but she achieved her dreams. These words that she spoke should provide hope and encouragement for those who want to pursue their dreams. While we know her situation personally, look at your own life. Look at people you know. Look at people you've heard about, read about, that have pursued their dreams no matter what. Those that have not been kept captive by the circumstances of life. They've been set free. And I believe as Christians, we have more power to be set free than anyone else. The redemptive power of Jesus. Not just for salvation, which we can wait for and we can look forward to an eternal relationship with Him, but to have more newness of life. To step away from the empty-handed life that the world provides. And God doesn't measure dreams by how big or how small they are. You may have similar big dreams, some that I've mentioned, or you may have small ones. Your dream may be to have a family or to have your family reunited. You may dream about having more time in your life to spend with God, to read books or even learn another language. You may have a dream about a job you want, a home you want to own. And some of us dream to go fishing and golfing. <laughs> or you may want just a beautiful garden that you can enjoy. Some of us just dream to be healthy. And some of us dream to travel to places around this country, around this world. Don't be captive to the circumstances because Jesus has set you free to pursue your dreams. He only asks that we keep our eyes focused on Him. Trust Him. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Be patient and persevere. Our hope and joy is important to Him. He will always have your best interests in mind because He not only redeemed us for our salvation, but He also wants to set us free to dream. Thank you for listening to Praise Center Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.